When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids, leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to your podcast, and follow us on IG at FantasyFootball underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. TCK Potters, welcome back to the program, another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 225. Today we are discussing... Running back draft strategy. This is running back week. Yesterday, you heard Dwayne, our boy Dweez Nuts on Twitter, and Lucas break down the running backs to avoid. Very, very important episode. Make sure you dial back and check that out if you haven't already. Important names, a lot of early names as well that you might want to think twice about drafting at their current ADP. Lucas and Dwayne do a great job breaking that down, so make sure you check that out. Tomorrow, we're going to be break down RB handcuffs. And then on a Thursday, we will be having a mock draft as well, a uh, running back heavy mock draft, so tune in there. Lucas, how you doing, my man? Happy Tuesday. Doing good. If you go down below, the draft guide is officially out. The first link uh, will take you to a form, fill out the form, I'll email you. Uh, a couple of people got their hands on it today, or I guess when they, yeah, when they listened to this yesterday. Um, but go down below, it'll continue to be updated uh, the whole year. Um, well, the draft guide throughout the summer, if you buy the all-in or the in-season throughout the whole year. So make sure to go get that. Absolutely. And thank you again to everybody contributing uh, to the um, draft guide and everybody that has so far purchased it. Uh, it is week one of launch. So if there are any hiccups or uh, missing links or anything like that, please feel free to let us know. We want to make sure it's the best product that we can deliver for you. So don't be shy to let us know. Of course, Lucas and I are vetting that best that we possibly can updating things as we go. Also, of course, uh, this will be an interactive draft guide for Lucas and I for you as well. So this is not a set it and forget it for us. Our rankings will be constantly updated uh, and different information will, you know, be updated throughout the season. For example, something easy would be, if and when Devonta Freeman, for example, gets signed somewhere, we'll be updating that team bio. We'll be giving him a player profile. We'll be updating our rankings. All those things are going to happen once he signs. If, unfortunately, players get injured or people contract COVID, 
there's all sorts of things. We'll be updating that uh, in real time best that we possibly can. So again, thanks to everybody participating. Thank you to everybody for purchasing and anybody else that's interested in it. Pause the video really quick, grab the link. It literally takes one minute to give us your email address, your name and uh, vote for Eldo Beckham. And after that, you will be getting the uh, draft guide. So thank you very much for that. All right, Lucas, without any further ado, man, let's get into it. I need to talk some fantasy football. I've been going through a, a family move here. And as much as I do enjoy moving and I welcome new change and new surroundings and environments in my life uh, and actually enjoy moving at some level sometimes, it is a bear no matter what. And as you can see, and behind me, there's absolutely nothing on the walls. Uh, so in transition this week, but excited to get settled and back into it as we go here. So. Happy to talk some football with you. All right, man, let's dive into this. So we're looking at the RB draft strategy for 2020. And Lucas, I'll just have you draft. I mean, if people have been listening for the last couple of weeks, they're very aware of how we draft running backs and how we think of things. But you have kind of been a, a cavalier early in this. Now it's popular to draft a million running backs in the first three rounds. But you were making this cool back in March when we were mock drafting. So what is your strategy for drafting running backs just right, right away? Um, is it different per format and why is it so important to draft running backs early? Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to pull up my rankings real quick to show my, my, my big board uh, for redraft this year. And I think it might be 12 running backs. So basically what it comes down to is they're not even like, I don't even know if it's a strategy. Like, unless you want Todd Gurley as your running back one, James Conner, Chris Carson, Leonard, maybe Leonard Fournette, uh, Melvin Gordon as your running back one. Like, you need to take one in round one or two or take two in round one or two. But now that I've kind of been working with projections more and kind of looking at it, like, even the Clyde Edwards or Lair pick is kind of scary. JT is kind of scary. I'm trying to think of other Aaron Jones, not so much, but he still kind of is. So really what it comes down to is like, it's more of a, I feel like I kind of have to take running backs early because there's nothing left over in the back end. And that's a product of everyone buying into the strategy, which actually probably will open up opportunities for other ways to pivot. But um, I guess there's one tip that I actually got into a Twitter, uh, if you want to call it an argument or conversation. Yeah. He was saying how Cream Hunt wasn't a good value because he was going in round five. And I basically fought it with, he's not going in round five, he's going at the RB26. And I think I kind of am going to stick with that this year that you don't get to control what round you pick players at to consider them a value. It's where they're at relative to their positional ADP. Um, just a tip, I guess. It's kind of common sense. Uh, like, obviously, if running backs are going early, you're not going to fade them because then you're not going to have any running backs. So you have to kind of buy in a little bit. So there must be kind of a middle point of buying in and still finding value. But I think as of now, the value is still going early on running backs. You made a comment last week that uh, ADP doesn't matter. Um, and you're starting to kind of vibe with that. And I hadn't thought about it that way. And I think it's kind of a strong take because I think any bit of information in a, in a medium like fantasy football, it all matters, but I know what you mean. Um, it's not like the make or break. Like if, I don't know if uh, let's just take Austin Eckler. If he goes at the at the one eleven in ADP, uh, doesn't mean you have to draft him in the first round. You know, you can wait to get him because he usually falls, kind of a thing or whatever. Um, but since you said that, I've been doing some more mock drafts and things. I'm actually in a slow draft best ball league right now um, with a bunch of UK leagues and the Commish crew um, 
and the quick snap and the fantasy footballer UK, some good friends of the podcast. And it's been interesting to see kind of like what ADP is that I'm used to. Um, and then overall kind of how the draft unravels. Now, of course, best ball is different, but how the draft unravels is just interesting now that I've got that in my mind. So mm-hmm. can you elaborate on that just one more time? If people are picking us up this week and didn't listen last week, like, I, cause I believe you, I think that while, while ADP does matter and it has merit um, and it's important to pay attention to along with your rankings, it's not the end all be all. Uh, can you just elaborate on that really quick on, on, why maybe mm-hmm. ADP isn't maybe as important as, as we put uh, toward it. Yeah, I think really what it comes down to is ADP is collected by a bunch of guys like us making decisions, right? So it's not like it's a, I don't know, targets. It's not like it's a set number. Like you can't score a touchdown with getting zero targets. Like you can't, uh, you can draft a team without having ADP. You can draft a team without having ESPN's ADP pulled up for you to put players in your, your quo or queue, whatever you want to call it. So really what I think it comes down to is I don't know where ADP is pulled from. I don't know who's drafting. I don't know all the external issues or uh, factors that go into it. Um, I put it like this. If a grocery, if a sale at a grocery store ends on Friday, you're not going to roll up there Saturday when the wave of running backs already hit and expect the sale to still be there, right? You have to at some point pick your uh, peer you know, say at the mountain and be like, all right, this is where I stop. And then this is, well, maybe I'll go receiver in the case of running backs, but you can't be like, I might take the running back that is at that tipping point at the bottom of the mountain because he's not going to be there. And I think I've kind of started to realize that one, I just don't like ADP and I don't like referencing it because it's completely irrelevant to actually what could happen in your one league, because that's millions of leagues getting pulled in for one league of ADP and I, I don't do the math. One divided by a million is whatever it is. That's the percent chance that it matches up. Not even – it's probably way less than just that. It matches up exactly with ADP. So I think going into drafts, you need to decide if you're following ADP or if you're sticking to your strategy to some extent because obviously you have to pivot and everything else. But I think there's definitely a lot more room to maneuver this year than I'm seeing that a lot um, – or seeing it could have obviously already been there last year or something, but I'm seeing the opportunity more to maybe go with what I think instead of what the, the experts think you could say. I think that's a good point. And also I think what ADP does give me is it's not so much where I draft players, but sometimes ADP will give me an idea on if I can wait on a guy or I have to jump on them now. Cause again, I like the grocery the grocery store analogy there um, because that's real. And then you can kind of think of like, look, our quarterback's going to start coming up. Our uh, second, third tier uh, running back's going to come up. Is this going to be the, you know, the middle tight end round? Because that's what ADP usually tells me because trends happen with the ADP. Like ADP is running back heavy right now. Right. And then it's receivers third, fourth, fifth, sixth round with some tight ends sprinkled and then it's quarterbacks. So the trend itself happens in almost every league at this point. But the individual players, I think, change, obviously, due to uh, player preference. So I think that's a, that's a good breakdown on, on ADP. All right, man, let's jump into this uh, running back strategy then. Now that we've talked about that, we're going to break down the 2019 running back finishes first. And we're going to talk about kind of the top 24 running backs from last year, uh, the RB2s of last year, and where they were drafted. And then we're going to talk about the 2019 ADP, which is the average draft position of where all those running backs went 
and who finished where, just to get some correlation on how important it is to draft your running backs early and in the mid rounds. After that, we're going to look at the 2020 ADP, which is current right now, which it is, uh, you know, middle of July here. So we still have another month and a half until the season, but we're taking a look at the current ADP right now because drafts are really starting to pick up and take a look there and then have a couple notes on some players that we might have a little bit of concern on. Um, again, just kind of doubling up on Lucas and Dwayne's episode from yesterday, the uh, running backs to avoid. All right, brother, let's get into this <clears throat> running backs one through 12. I'll read off one through 12. Why don't you read off 13 through 24. This is the finish from last year, 2019. Christian McCaffrey, first overall. Aaron Jones, second. Zeke Elliott, third. Austin Eckler, fourth. Derrick Henry, fifth. Dalvin Cook, sixth. Leonard Fournette, seven. Nick Chubb, eight. Alvin Kamara, nine. Saquon Barkley, 10. Mark Ingram, 11. And Chris Carson, 12. 13 through 24, please. Yep, we got your boy Joe Mixon, Todd Gurley, Miles Sanders, Le'Veon Bell, Kenyon Drake, James White, Philip Lindsay, Devontae Freeman, Josh Jacobs, Marlon Mack, Melvin Gordon, and David Montgomery. Okay, so that is the top 24 from last year as, as far as the finishes. What I want to look at quickly is where these guys were drafted. So I'll go back down the list a little bit, and I've got, you know, kind of some consolidation here. So seven of the top 12 running backs that we just read off were drafted in the first two rounds. So seven of the top 12 running backs were drafted in the first two rounds. So think about that for this year's ADP. All right. In the first two rounds of running backs, seven of the, of the top 12 guys from last year were drafted in the first two rounds. Mixon and Gurley finished RB 13 and 14 respectively, and were drafted in the second round as well. So they were just outside of that RB one tier. Aaron Jones and Chris Carson were drafted in the third round. And they're in the, the RB2, uh, RB1, RB2 range. And then Eckler, Henry, and Ingram were outliers. They were drafted a little bit later and um, still inside the top 12 here. So Christian McCaffrey, um, Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell were all drafted in the first two rounds of last year. Uh, in the top 24. Um, there's a couple outliers again. Eckler was in the sixth. Henry was in the fourth last year. Ingram was in the fourth. Sanders, Miles Sanders was in the sixth. Kenyon Drake was in the seventh. James White was in the fourth. Lindsey was in the fifth. What does this tell you about the importance of drafting early? Now, I know that you are running back heavy early, but what does this actually tell you now that we can look at it on paper and say, wow, you know, most of the top 12, uh, top 24 players were um, drafted as such last year. Now, of course, there's injury and there's handcuff strategies and things like that. Kenyon Drake didn't even get to play until the second half. Miles Sanders didn't get full-time work until the second half. Um, obviously, Devonta Freeman got hurt and fell off. Things like that happened. Um, but what, is this, what does this tell you now that we're able to look at it? Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to it's much easier to project running backs than it is wide receivers. Um, and I know that firsthand as my projections are still getting run down, uh, they will be on the draft guide soon. I just uh, have pages and pages and pages and pages of notes to try and get these figured out. And they probably want to be close to right the first run. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense why it's like that. It's easier to project running backs with big volume spikes or drops, D spikes, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then there's obviously the outliers that we see every year, guys like Austin Eckler, who, 
it was due to volume. We just didn't project that at the time of the draft. Miles Sanders was due to volume. We just couldn't project that at the time of the draft. Uh, there was one more, I think you said. Um, well, well, I mean, you know, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon, Marlon Mack is down here, Philip Lindsay, James White, um, you know, Kenyon Drake, uh, Austin Eckler, of course, um, was in the sixth round because we didn't know what was going on with Melvin Gordon. Derrick Henry, we didn't know about the workload. He got it. So a lot of these things just kind of end up, right, like after the fact, um, which we can't predict everything. But what this tells me is that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 of the top 24 were drafted in the top three rounds, right? So over the last couple of years, I've, I've been pretty vocal about going zero RB, and I still like the strategy – in theory, um, because there's some beastie ass wide receivers. The problem is if you go zero RB, there's not as much value at the art, you know, in the third or fourth, fifth round, uh, or really a zero RB, I guess it'd be like the fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth round of running backs. There's not the same value as if you go running backs for the first two or three rounds and then get your receivers. So when you're trying to piece together a team, it really just makes sense for the overall camaraderie of your team to go with uh, running backs early, at least one in the first two rounds. If it makes sense for you, go with two of them, and then you can double up on uh, either Kittle or Kelsey, Lamar Mahomes if you want to do that, but otherwise wide receivers in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, and then you can start getting some of those later guys, middle-tier guys. So that was the RB finishes from last year and just kind of an idea. Again, seven of the 12 RBs finished uh, – the top 12 RBs finished in the first two rounds. Um, and then we had, you know, six of six of the RB twos were drafted in the first three rounds. White Mac and Gordon were in the fourth round, Lindsay Drake and Sanders were in the fifth, sixth and seventh respectively. So it does happen where guys jump up from those middle tiers, but most often, unless they get injured, the top, you know, two or three rounds worth of running backs are there on purpose in ADP and in ECR, uh, expert consensus ranking. So uh, make sure you, you pay attention to those. Just monitor each individual player. Okay, anything to add on last year's finishes before we get into the ADP that kind of led into that season? Nope. All right. Let's move into the 2019 ADP. So this is the average draft position going into – last year's season. So this is not this year's ADP. We'll get to that. This is last year's ADP getting into last year's season, which we just broke down. So let's kind of, you know, go backwards a little bit here. So we have the ADP from, from last year. All right. We, again, we have the top 40 listed here of what we're looking at now, Lucas, let's, let's trade off again really, really quick here. I'll do one through 12. You do 13 through 24. This is ADP coming into last year. Keep in mind what we just read for the finishes of last year and see how many of these names are the same. So I'll do one through 12. You do 13 through 24 ADP coming into last year. Uh, Saquon first overall, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, James Conner, David Johnson, James Conner and David Johnson went as pretty much the seventh uh, pick overall last year. Le'Veon Bell right behind him at nine. Uh, Nick Chubb, eighth running back off the board. Dalvin Cook, Todd Gurley, Joe Mixon, and Leonard Fournette, the top 12 running backs off the board. Lucas, give me 13 through 24, please. Yep. Damien Williams, Chris Carson, Carrion Johnson, Aaron Jones, Devontae Freeman, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Sonny Michelle, Mark Ingram, Melvin Gordon, Derek Henry, and Marlon Mack. All right. So what I noticed on this one is all but five of these top 24 running backs – 
according to the preseason ADP in 2019, finished as an RB2 or better. So all but five of those names that we just read, that's James Conner, David Johnson, Damian Williams, Carrion Johnson, Sony Michelle. They did not finish as RB2s or better. Everybody else we just read did. Now, of course, we can go down the list and find out why. James Conner got injured. The team was terrible once Big Ben went down. We'll throw that one out. Uh, David Johnson, RB5 over the first four games of the season. He got injured. Kenyon Drake comes in. The rest is history. David Johnson disappears. Damian Williams, ineffective until the postseason like he is every year. He disappears as well. We were, you know, had high hopes. We were just about 13 weeks too early on Damian Williams. Carrion Johnson, again, unfortunately, pretty effective when he's on the field, but he got injured. Once again, blew it out the door. And then Sonny Michelle, we even gave him a break as ADP 20 in the fourth round. He still wasn't able to uh, catch up to that. He just looks slow and doesn't look as good as he did um, coming in as a rookie um, in his sophomore season. Honestly, I think it's just going to get worse uh, now that they have Damian Harris. So those five running backs did not equal an RB2 or better, but everybody else did. So that includes, you know, we'll go down the list, the main guys, Saquon, Kamara, CMC, Elliott. Those are the top four, and they finished um, all as RB1s there, right? Le'Veon Bell fell from the ninth position, but, you know, still an RB2. Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Todd Gurley, Joe Mixon, all those guys were impressive. Aaron Jones, the 16th running back, finished as number two overall. All right, Devonta Freeman fell a little bit because he got injured, but he still had enough work to make it happen. Josh Jacobs is a rookie, number 19. Uh, finished all the way up, <clears throat> excuse me, as an RB1. And then you had um, Derrick Henry, of course, who exploded, Marlon Mack, and then um, Melvin Gordon, once he got back to the second half of the season, was okay. But he had Austin Eckler exploding as well. Mark Ingram had 15 total touchdowns. So, again, they just exploded. And these are the, these are the you know, four rounds worth of running backs here um, that did work. So, Lucas, what is – you know, looking at last year's ADP, when we reflect on it, we see, you know, 19 out of the first 24 running backs that were drafted finished as a top 24 running back uh, or better, which is which is quite impressive. Yeah, somehow I let Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry go outside the top 20. I don't even, <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't even realize that that was like what happened last year. But yeah, no, I mean, I think Last there's year a number. Kind of, there's a there's a number on here. I don't mean to cut you off really quick, but there, there's a number of guys on here, man. I mean, Chris Carson was getting a full workload. He's number fourteen, right? Leonard Fournette, of course. I know the efficiency and all that, but he had no competition. He was still the the twelfth off the board, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs um, were rookies, so I see that. Aaron Jones, we weren't really sure, but there was definitely upside there. But yeah, Mark Ingram and uh, and Derrick Henry and even Marlon Mack uh, with no competition last year. Um, all those guys really outshined their ADP. Yeah, and I think uh, that happened because, I mean, they were just good in general. But due to, I think, all the guys that didn't outperform or perform their ADP within reason was really just injuries. Now that you kind of look, uh, James Conner, David Johnson, Damian Williams, Carrion Johnson, Sony, eh. Just He's just black. busted anyway. Yeah, so I think really – I mean, I don't, I don't know. We haven't looked at tons of – years of data of ADP and finishes. Like, I don't know if that's normally what happens, but I feel like when I saw that, I was like, yeah, that probably makes sense as to why a couple guys finish outside the top 24. Because like I said, it's easy to project volume because obviously teams have one running back on the field most of the time, or they have their one running back in the field for first, second down, the third down back where receivers is 
nine million receivers on the team mixed with tight ends and running backs. So, yeah, I think really um, – and I think that Dwayne's been kind of opening me up to is uh, range of outcomes when drafting. And what that means is you'd never want to draft anyone at their ceiling, say, in the first, I don't know, five, six rounds because it just doesn't make sense, right? You want to reach within reason. Um, and maybe with these running backs, you see that. Um, and it's kind of double-checking beyond James Conner. Maybe you don't want to draft James Conner because he's going to like the RB 16, roughly 17 right now. And the injury's there. So, like, you're kind of drafting him at a ceiling, sort of. So, like, I guess the way to look at it is, like, do with what you will. Find a low-end projection. Find a high-end projection. Um, there's tons of good sites and stuff that use them. Uh, and kind of maybe evaluate. Maybe that's where you put your targets. Do not draft stuff like that. So it's another thing to keep in mind uh, when evaluating really any position, not just running back. I think that's a great segue, really, to the the third you know third point here that we want to do is bring up the 2020 ADP and get into guys like James Conner here in just a second. Before we get into that, I want to just take a quick smidge break and I just pumped the draft guide again. We did at the uh, top of the episode, of course, but if you're zooming through and you skip intros, respect, I get it. Uh, but if you didn't hear us say it at the beginning, uh, please make sure to pause the video and dial down into the comment section and uh, the, the description and make sure to uh, get the draft guide for yourself. Just five bucks for the draft guide preseason five bucks for the in-season draft guide or 15 for both of those and some extra some one-on-one -on -one with Lucas myself and Dwayne and um, you get some kind of some bonus perks there as well so if you haven't yet please go ahead and get the draft guide leave a subscribe on the video um, and uh, follow us on Instagram fantasy football underscore TCK pod and Twitter at TCK underscore pod all right let's get into the 2020 ADP man we don't need to blast for everybody. I mean, I put 60 running backs. I have the top 60 here for reference. We're obviously not going to go through every one of those guys. But I did want to just kind of nitpick and go down this ADP, shout out the, the player and the current ADP. Again, this is the middle of July, so things are going to shake up a little bit as we get into August and the end of August for, for like a real deal draft season. But let's go down this list here, and all the players that we've indicated, I want to just, just put a couple – sentences on to and maybe there's some hiccups on not saying we hate these players by any means or that we're not going to draft them they're just players with a question mark or two or potentially even a straight up red flag at their current ADP so again I want to preface with unless we say so we're not necessarily saying don't draft these guys because we're going to cover a lot of them we're just saying before you hit you know draft Take one extra second to look around the rest of the landscape, see who else is available if you're looking at a, a running back there. So I'll kick it off really quick here. We're not going to talk about every single player. The top four guys at, at ADP right now, CMC, Saquon, Zeke Elliott, and Alvin Kamara, those guys are surefires um, outside of injury, of course. We're going to let them go. Derrick Henry as well. But Dalvin Cook, obviously, there's the injury concern from the last couple of years. Also the potential holdout. Other than that, though, man, he's a surefire. Uh, top 10 running back for sure, potentially top three to five. Um, love Dalvin Cook. Just make sure that you're paying attention to any breaking news before you hit that. Once you hit draft, you can't change your pick. So if you hit it now and you're drafting now and you pick them, something happens, then kind of tough shit, unfortunately. However, um, if you're waiting a little bit longer in August, make sure you just read in a, a couple updated reports and see where they're at as we go through the summer until this is resolved. So Dalvin Cook, just want to mention right off the bat, but Lucas, can you please uh, cover Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb really quick? Yep. So Josh Jacobs, I mean, if you listen to yesterday, yeah, yesterday's episode, mm -hmm. it's, it's the past, the passing volume uh, wasn't there last year and it 
sure ain't getting there this year with all the additions they made. So he's just one guy that, like I said, you're drafting him at a ceiling. You're drafting him at 10 touchdowns and 250, 260, 270, really, opportunities. That's another guy maybe you just want to drop down a little bit lower in your boards. Maybe not your ranking, but your board maybe a little bit lower. Kenyon Drake, um, in easy terms to explain what the heck Cliff Kingsbury – what kind of offense Cliff Kingsbury is going to run? Is he going to run an air raid or is he going to run a traditional pro style? I wish I could tell you. Um, we've highlighted both sides to what he may run. Maybe why it will help Drake. Maybe why it won't. I will say my projections are very friendly for Kenyon Drake. I love like, him. I, yeah. I, I it's just I, risky. It's just risky because he's in the top 10, but I love Kenyon Drake. And I think I think really – like, like you could say it's another guy you don't want to draft for this thing, but I think his floor is still a high-end RB2. So I don't really think he's a bad pick by any means, but I do think that's one where maybe you just drop down your rankings just to be safe if you're going for accuracy. And then Nick Chubb, um, you know, I really don't have any concerns. I think Hunt is a concern, but realistically, if Hunt was in there last year and Chubb was on the pace he was on, um, he – he would have been a 99 overall in Madden. Let's put it that plain and simple. He probably would actually would have been second in MVP votes, probably would have won the MVP on a normal year. And that's just not that's just not feasible for a running back that doesn't catch the ball. Um, but the the red zone touch the red zone touches and touchdown regression positive regression is uh, going to happen. You don't get negative two rushing yards of 15 carries inside the five right. again. It's just not possible. So I don't really have like I do have concerns, obviously, because Hunts there, but I think Really, I'll have Chubb and Hunt on the same team in quite a bit of drafts. Um, so he's probably like I moved him up to I think RB eight, I believe. I don't. I think his ceiling is pretty massive. Yep, I totally agree. And uh, you and I went ahead and, and grabbed him in that dynasty league, uh, the regime dynasty league that we've been talking about a little bit. So we're we're bullish on him. I do recommend people dial back to yesterday's episode though, because Dwayne um, did a great breakdown on Nick Chubb. And now I didn't. It's not that I didn't agree with everything Dwayne said because he brings up valid points. Absolutely. Um, I just am not as concerned maybe as I think he is. However, he brings up the kind of like, what if with Nick Chubb and if Dwayne's right, <laughs> it's bad news bears. That's all I'm going to mm-hmm. say. Right. So I do, th- I do think it's important that y'all dive back and check that out. And also they broke down a few more of these players too. All right. I'm going to cover Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones. And uh, for Miles Sanders, it just comes down to the RBBC. They're bringing in a potential vet. It could be Devonta Freeman. Uh, Lamar Miller is still kind of shaking around out there. LaShawn McCoy even could just come in just to get a couple of touches, dispel him. Boston Scott is still there. If that happens, Miles Sanders I just don't think is going to have the upside, although he's very explosive. I love the player. If he got all the work, he could be you know top eight, um, and I would rank him that way. But until that happens, I'm a little bit nervous. So Miles Sanders is a little bit of a – uh, a, a, a stall and extra look for me there. Austin Eckler, um, I've I've been pretty vocal about this too on the podcast. Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones, it just comes down to the efficiency. Can they both stay as efficient as they were? Austin Eckler had nearly a thousand receiving yards last year, but he had just about four hundred rushing yards. That is just crazy to sustain as a running back. On the other side, Aaron Jones had sixteen touchdowns last year. If he comes down to 10, how does that change his numbers? They bring in A.J. Dillon. They still have Jamal Williams. They bring in two – or they bring in Devin Funches to help out Aaron Rodgers. Alan Lazard in his second year, of course. Tay Adams fully healthy this year. So how does that Green Bay offense change? I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with both of those guys. So those three guys right there, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, and Aaron Jones, all going 
in the first, uh, in the second round, I should say, early second round uh, at RB 11, 12, and 13. Personally, I'm fading all of those guys lower than that by a couple of spots for my own reasons I've gone over. Uh, But those guys make me a little nervous at their particular ADP. Uh, Lucas, please break down the four-pack, Fournette, Connor, Bell, and David Johnson. Yeah, Fournette, I think really – I mean, you put efficiency, but I think – I really think that he's actually a good pick now at the ADP that he fell to. Um, Obviously, Chris Thompson's there apparently to play a full 16 games like he never has in the season and take away a bunch (laughs) of receiving work. So I don't buy into that. Obviously, Chris Thompson will until he gets injured, and then Leonard Fournette's right back to where he was last year. They're going to run him in the ground because they don't have him under contract for next year. They declined his fifth-year option, said he's not coming back, so why not just run him into the ground? He No cost, obviously, use salary, but no cost to you if he gets hurt. So I think he's actually kind of a fine pick. You're just banking on volume. James Conner, like I said, uh, just the health. I don't know if that's drafting at his ceiling. It's obviously risky, though, so just be cautious. And Love Bell, uh, yeah, it's kind of the same as Leonard Fournette, kind of going right around where he finished last year. The Jets were like, I think they were like the third or fourth historically worst team in terms of uh, plays ran, red zone attempts, and rushing touchdowns or something like that. It was some combination. And they're being projected to get like 20 more rushing attempts inside the 10 by many different people. So I think I think Bell, unless Frank Gore takes his work, will be a valuable pick. I don't know if he'll be a value, but I think he'll be a valuable pick in the third round. David Johnson as well? Uh yeah, I'm still kind of up in the air on him because I think I kind of have to buy into him with the work he's going to get. And it seems as if he's healthy. Um, but that being said, it's still David Johnson of the last two years and not of five years ago. So I'm not really for sure how to evaluate it. Really quickly, and not even looking at your rankings per se, but how would you rank these guys right now, those four? Yeah, I think um, I, think I have – This is PPR. That... We're, we're always doing PPR here on the podcast unless otherwise – I think I actually have him in that exact order. Um, I think I have Fournette trying to mix in the other guys. I think I have Fournette, Carson, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, Lebel, David Johnson, I believe, with Todd Gurley in front of Fournette, if I remember right, which is pretty chalky compared to what most people have. But I think that's kind of how we have to evaluate him as of now. I I do as well. I do as well. I like that. All right, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor, Singletary. Uh, so Jonathan Taylor, again, just rookie. It's, I'm not worried about him. This offense is incredible. The offensive line is incredible. Um, he's probably going to get more pass work than maybe people expect just because of Philip Rivers checking it down. Um, Naheem Hines is there. I understand, but I just, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be fine after, you know, week five or six. Uh, so it's just a matter of delay and work. So if you draft him in the beginning of the fourth round, which is ADP right now, you just have to understand that you're not going to be playing him as an RB2 right away you just can't but if he's your rb3 and you can wait him out or you get mac as well you play mac early and then jonathan taylor like mark ingram and, and jk dobbins then i think that's great but don't expect jonathan taylor to come out of the gates he could for sure but i'm not i'm not banking on that devin singletary same thing he's got moss right behind him who you and i both like a lot he's going to be a younger uh quicker more elusive uh and and efficient frank gore uh so i just think the td uh the td um, upside is not there for Singletary and to be an RB2 there in the fourth round I would just rather grab some other guys there Chris Carson, uh, David Montgomery, Mark Ingram, Raheem Ostert I would rather have all those guys over uh, Devin Singletary um, Break down please quickly uh, the two rookies of Akers and Swift and then Damian Williams and uh, Darius Geis 
Yeah, K-Makers, um, we had a question in our uh, exclusive Discord today, like right away, so make sure you get the draft guide to get into that, about evaluating K-Makers. And I basically – I didn't – I don't want to say I'm high on him, but I basically said it's his backfield to lose. Uh, I mean, it's plain Let's and simple. Let's hope so, man. Let's hope I know, so. I know. I, I think – I mean, plain and simple, they wouldn't have drafted him after taking a 10 million plus like $13 million cap hit from Gurley. Like you don't, you don't voluntarily take a cap hit on a player to go draft a player in the same position that you're not going to use because you have a guy you drafted last year that never saw the field. Like it's just kind of, but the problem is that that feels like it's too much common sense as to why we can't put that together and rank him higher. And I think that's kind of the reason why it's that low. Cause in reality, if he's the lead back on this field, he ain't finishing an RB28. He's going to be a high-end running back, too. So that's kind of the only concern is, like, the common sense aspect of putting together his role, which is kind of a dumb excuse, but it's kind of really what it is. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I am not touching him in any redraft leaks because whatever draft capital thing you can make up, he was drafted, like, three picks ahead of where Carrion Johnson was. So, like, that's irrelevant. Uh, same with the whole Bills thing. Moss was drafted like six picks less than Devin Singletary, so they're virtually the same. And when have we ever liked to run it back in the Lions backfield in fantasy? It's not changing now just because it's DeAndre Swift. Damian Williams, I mean, in reality, too, like him starting every week for you, probably not. But like, like I said, you don't really get to choose where he's going at round six, but RB30, I mean, is like the best handcuff probably in football maybe even still the starter for the Chiefs. I don't really know. So it's kind of just figuring out maybe his exact role, which I think by by September, I think we'll know a little bit more, hopefully, as to how that's going to uh, play out there. And Darius, guys, yeah, he just needs to, like, get on the field um, <laughs> before I give him a fantasy evaluation. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm cheering for him. Um, my dynasty teams are cheering for him to come back. As some in the uh, fantasy football industry and otherwise would say, the ceiling is the roof for That's Darius true. Geis. Um, so, obviously, if he is able to play and make make it happen, he could absolutely dominate, but I'm, I'm not confident there until I see it. Um, if you had to go with one of the others, would you go with Akers or Swift? Uh, Akers. Let's do, uh, I, let's do redraft and then Dynasty, two separate questions. I th- – I think it'd be Swift and Dynasty because they're not going to sign back Johnson. And we can kind of project that there's – I think we can kind of project that the Rams might go committee in the long run versus where the Ram, where the Lions might not if Swift really is that good. Okay, got it. I do like Damian Williams. One thing really quick, we were, I was listening to, uh, to my guy Mike, Mike Wright of the Fantasy Footballers, and he brought up just kind of an interesting thing because everybody's fading Damian Williams and – including me. And I agree. I don't think he's that good. I think he's incredible in the playoffs and he's proved that two years in a row, but I just think an entire season, he can't stay healthy. I had got a CEH, all that shit. What he did say was though, he's in the sixth round. Eventually you have to kind of pace yourself to be wrong on some of these guys. Now, if everybody just punts Damian Williams and he is the starter, CEH doesn't get it right away. Um, it is a rookie season with all the COVID stuff for the off season and Damian Williams stays healthy for, 12 games and he is that top back with some, you know, uh, kind of smatterings of CEH for his dominant work. He could end up a top 10 running back and he's going to sixth round and everybody's just letting him go. So I'm not saying go out and draft Damian Williams per se, but if you're looking for an RB, you know, three, four or five uh, and he's right there and you're already pretty dialed up North. 
why not uh, why not take a stab potentially in a league or two just in case it does happen so i thought that was an interesting take there uh last guy here i'm going to talk to we got a bunch of other names but we're gonna we're gonna get out of here um and the last one i want to bring up is tevin coleman I've been pretty vocal. Of course, I'm a 49er homer. Everybody on the podcast knows that, but I like to be as uh, level-headed as I can as well. I don't think Tevin Coleman's that good, period. I just don't. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan has let Tevin Coleman start too many games in the NFL, and I think it's straight out of like a bro-homie hookup that he has from Atlanta, and he knows that he could be good, but he's not that good. And Raheem Mostert just blew him out of the water, frankly, last year. Matt Breida blew him out of the water when he was healthy. Jeff Wilson um, actually led the team in, 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 uh, in uh, touchdown efficiency, even though it was low, obviously. Um, but Tevin Coleman is not that guy. He started games, couldn't finish them, and then other running backs blew him out of the water. So I don't think Tevin Coleman is going to be a true – uh, handcuff per se. I still think it's going to be Jeff Wilson. They also have two awesome UDFAs, undrafted free agents they brought in who are going to be just fine as well. They'll let Matt Breida walk. I think, you know, Marie Moser is going to get paid for the 49ers. It doesn't make sense for him to walk. Um, and I just don't think Coleman's going to be much of a guy. So going in the seventh round, I don't know that he is the guy. I'd rather wait until like the 15th round and grab Jeff Wilson. I really believe that's going to happen this year. And I think he's this year's uh, Raheem Mostert. So I just want to touch on that really quick. Some other names we're not going to dive into, but some other guys just to kind of consider, like think about a little extra on these particular names. Keyshawn Vaughn, Sonny Michelle, Madison and Cohen, Philip Lindsay, Latavius Murray, Zach Moss, Antonio Gibson, who I know Lucas loves those guys a lot, both them. Tony Pollard going in the 10th round, whereas a lot of those other handcuffs are going up in the 8th or ninth. Tony Pollard might be the best option out of the bunch. Keep it on him. Justin Jackson as well for L.A., uh, Anthony McFarlane, little bug as I call him for the Steelers behind James Conner, who's oft injured. Uh, Damian Harris for the Patriots. We haven't seen him on an NFL field yet. Dominant in college at Alabama. We know how Alabama running backs uh, transfer to uh, the NFL, save for TJ Yeldon, Eddie Lacy, and Trent Richardson. But Mark Ingram and um, Kenyon Drake and Derek Henry are pretty solid there. And then Carlos Hyde. Let's not forget about Carlos Hyde currently going as the RB60 in the 13th, 14th round. If Chris Carson goes down or has two fumbles opening day, like Carlos Hyde is Chris Carson. I just see he's the same running back. He would get 20 touches a game, and Carlos Hyde is totally free. So keep an eye on all those guys. All right, man, that's going to wrap up the RB draft strategy. And basically our conclusion is draft at least one running back early um, in the first two rounds, two if you can get them to make sense. But – uh, Lucas, really quickly, maybe depending on your rankings, you're just kind of general in this conversation. I just want to bring something up. And last question before we get out of here, where do you draw the line on your second running back? Let's say you have, let's just call it a, um, top six or seven running back. You have, you know, CMC, Barkley, Elliot Kamara, let's call it cook Henry or well, Josh Jacobs is ADP right now. Say you have one of those guys already <clears throat> comes around the turn another 12 guys have gone you're up again middle of the second round back of the second round where do you draw the line with players on your who you're picking at rb2 versus potentially a wide receiver one so that's kind of like maybe chris godwin could be julio if he falls uh kenny galladay mike evans um some players like that where do you draw that line between rb2 in the second round and wide receiver one i think the best answer i can give is Pulling it up here. I think after Aaron Jones is like, I'm just going to say tiers of guys that I, that I, 
in 95% of my leagues where I will not draft, I guess you could say. So I st- from one to Aaron Jones, and that leaves Clyde Edwards-Alaire to that tier that I ranked all the way down to probably David Montgomery at RB24. I like him as an RB2. I like Mark Ingram. I don't like Mostert, but then I like Hunt, Akers, James White, Dobbins, Rojo, all those guys. So I think really it's like I I will pick one. Like ideally my favorite slots in the draft are pick one or the turn because I don't think so. – I mean, Saquon's gonna, he's a good pick, but I think that the schedule is tough. It's scary, and that has to mean something. But then all those other guys up until really Aaron Jones are just like kind of a toss-up for the RB2, and you could be like, how would you – put Kamara in front of Aaron Jones. I mean, like, did we not see what happened last year? Like, obviously it's possible that this tier is such a big tier outside of McCaffrey and Saquon that we need to kind of accept that and maybe value the running backs a little bit higher, which I think people are starting to do. So I think Jones is like my – he's the 13th running back, but you could say he's like my last RB1 qualifier on my team probably. Cool. I like it. Right on, man. That's going to wrap up our running back strategy second episode of running back week. Tomorrow, we're going to be breaking down running back handcuffs, must own handcuffs and discussion there. If you get one of the big guys, who is that person behind them and where you can find them in ADP. And then on Thursday, we'll be breaking down a running back heavy mock draft. Make sure once again, go grab yourself a TCK draft guide if you have not gotten one already. Uh, this is week one. We've launched it uh, just yesterday, so we're very excited to get the feedback from you. Please let us know how it's working. Again, we're human beings. We're doing our best for you. It's the first year we're doing it. If there's any glitches, any links that aren't working properly or anything like that that we haven't caught, there's a lot going on. So if there's anything we have missed, please kindly let us know. We'll get it fixed as soon as possible. We appreciate your participation, making this a family thing. So don't be shy and reach out to us. Leave a subscribe right here on the YouTube channel. Let us know how you feel about the current ADP and maybe how you got, um, you know, scooped a good ADP from last year. Maybe you missed out on a guy, like Lucas said, wasn't anticipating having Mark Ingram uh, down that low. So uh, he, he missed out on him in a couple leagues, but um, it would have worked out if he was able to uh, foresee that. So let us know how you feel about that. Leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast. We always appreciate that. Follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCKpod. Use the hashtag TCKpod. And also find us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find the draft guide here below or at tckpod.com. You can get five bucks for the draft guide, five bucks for the in-season package, 15 for both, and then some. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Scott Guasco. This is another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, and we are out of here. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.